good, all that is sacred, and in the warm and loving energy of this community, Spiritual Life Center. If you're joining us for the first time, we especially want to welcome you because we know that you are not here by accident. You're here by divine appointment. Thank you for joining us on your unique path today, and we hope you enjoy this special message from this past Sunday's service. So I have a question. How many English majors do we have in the room? Okay. Oh, good. I always worry when I do something like this where the English majors are because I know what we're like. You know, a funny thing happens to us when we step onto a spiritual path. We set up a bunch of rules for ourselves, and I suspect that's based on our cultural understanding of what it means to be religious or spiritual. You know, if we had a religious upbringing, of course, we're going to bring a lot of those conditions, you know, that we had with us. Even if we didn't like them, they're still part of our consciousness. And if we weren't directly exposed to religion, then we still pick up stuff from, you know, being in the culture about what religion and spirituality really means. And then, so ironically, our newfound awareness might also just make us really be hard on ourselves. I'm not doing it right. So when I was about 26 or 27, starting my ministerial studies, which, you know, took a very long time. But anyway, you know, people would come up to me, and I'm not sure why. I was a newbie. I guess I just, maybe I looked like I thought I knew something. Anyway, they say, now I'm in unity and following this path. I know I have to give up those two glasses of wine at night. But I really like them. Or I know I have to give up smoking, or I have to give up this, and I have to give up that. And though I really didn't feel like I was in a place to be counseling people, this is an answer that I did know. You're not required to give up anything to be here. We don't tell you what to do or how to run your relationship with God. You don't have to sacrifice your way of life to be in this church. Because as you grow in consciousness, some of these things just start to fall away naturally, whatever they are. And when they do, you might not even notice it. You may have a day when you go, oh, I didn't do such and such for a while. And then you notice you didn't even miss it. It's kind of cool. So this memory of talking to those people, combined with the idea of a divine offering, got me to thinking about sacrifice. And I thought about the difference between sacrifice and offering. And of course, I would venture to say that the word sacrifice is a pretty strong word for most of us, right? It carries the connotation of forcibly having, giving up something, up to and including a life, and you don't have a choice. That's what most of us think of as sacrifice. So of course, I looked to see what the Fillmores had to say uh, about sacrifice. And it's pretty interesting, and it's also pretty long. And so I'm not going to do that to you. 
But there are a couple of really cool ideas. One of them is, and this is my favorite, sacrifice is a refining process that is constantly going on in consciousness. And the other one is, everything in nature is going through this refining process, and there is constant ascension of matter to mind, man to mind to spirit. They also make the point that we tend to think that we only need to refine our minds. You know, we're always saying, change your, change your thoughts, change your life. But remind us that our bodies need attention and refinement as well. So how do we do this? So what comes to mind is the hero's journey. Now, I'm not going to stand here and say, hero, heroine, can we just please do with hero? We know we're talking about men and women. It's too many words. <laughs> but it's the chosen one tropes is what we're really talking about. And there's so many characters out there that we can use as examples. There's Spider-Man, there's Frodo, there's Superman. The most important one, of course, is Buffy Summers from the Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> now, we joke about that, or we, 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 we um, laugh about Buffy, but the thing is, is that show is taken very seriously as a prime example of the hero's journey, and it, there are actually classes in universities that are dedicated just to studying Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And I feel for, I can't, there's some, there's some uh, professors out there that read paper after paper after paper on Buffy, and my, my, my heart goes out to them. But it's an important story. And the, the hero story is an important story, and it occurs to me that one of the reasons for that, and the reason it's so popular, is because we identify with that character. And perhaps we sometimes wish we were that character. And what we're missing there is the reality is, is that we are that character. We are that person. So let's examine this a little bit. In the stories we read and the, and the, the stories we watch, you know, the movies and the TV shows, they're all extremely dramatic. And we see this ordinary person just minding their own business, and then bammo out of somewhere, nowhere, something happens, and they're thrown into a, a, a life-changing, course-changing paradigm and of course, at first, they're, they're reluctant or downright belligerent. Heck no, I am no chosen one. I sure as heck am not, no intention of doing that. No, no. And then, of course, something else happens. And it's also very dramatic. And they realize that, well, they do have a choice. The choices aren't very good. Like, go off on your own world, own and let the world end. Or hang around and save the world. All on your own, by the way. <laughs> Great choice, save the world and maybe die or go away and certainly die. That's essentially what that, that choice is in those stories. Of course, the chosen one in those stories always makes the right choice. And we watch them walk their path and we witness this refinement that the Fillmore's talk about. At each crisis, there is a shift in their consciousness. They gain more confidence. They start to think outside the box. They get ready to do the craziest thing ever to save everyone. And then we have that explosive finale, and the chosen one accomplishes what they need to. They get a medal, and then they go back home. And then what happens? Maybe they just go back to work at Walmart. We never know. <laughs> In the formal things, there, there is. But we, you know, and what happens after the fact? They just leave us with this victory. I mean, so being the chosen one seems like a really dangerous job. But we identify with it. Every one of us identifies with it in some way, and that's because on some level, 
somewhere in our lives as kids, I'm sure every one of us at some point has thought, you know, I am kind of special. Or, um, you know, there, there's something more for me to do in this life. And that's us feeling our potential. It's not being egotistical. Because, as I said, all of us are chosen. And the good news is, though, is that instead of compressing everything into two hours or 350 pages, we get a whole lifetime to do our hero's journey. It's a little bit better. I mean, if you think about it, your life, you'll begin to see that you are the hero of your story. And if you start to write or tell it, you'll realize that there are those points of crisis where you had to do something or give up something for the betterment of something else or someone else. We've all had those moments in our lives. We've all had those turning points. And we may have been reluctant, but then we made the choice to do what we needed to do. It's just this, it's the same thing as the hero's journey. It's just that it's a whole lot more subtle than Harry Potter or Marvel Comics interludes. Now, in my own story, I would start to talk about a 10-year-old girl just minding her own business when her father has a near-fatal heart attack and her entire life changes because her mother's, of her mother's reaction to almost losing her husband. Everything changed. That shift put me on the path that I walk today. And it was solidified when my dad died 10 years later. So that crisis was a long one. If my father had lived longer, I'm not sure where my life would have taken me. I might have made different choices. I don't know if I'd be standing up here doing this today. And in a way, he gave me a gift because it put me on this path. So that incident, that one incident, would be my chosen one path moment. And like I said, that crisis actually lasted about 10 years because living with, with my father could die at any moment from a heart attack and my mother being freaked out about it the entire time, of course, that would affect you know, a child. But it took me another, so it took your 10, uh, I'm sorry, it took 10 years to go through that crisis and another, I don't know, 30 to 60 years to, for me to work through all of that. And the thing is, is that we are the narrators of our own story, and that's a good thing. Except, <clears throat> there was except in that song, too. Except, remember that part that I said about uh, sacrifice being a refining process? Well, one of the reasons that we need to go through that refining process is because very early on, we become unreliable narrators. Now, those of you who are not familiar with that literary trope, the unre unreliable narrator is something like, I don't know, in Edgar Allan Poe's The Telltale Heart, we never really know if there's a heart under the floorboards or if this is just a person making up a story and their own hell. It's an unreliable narrator. Now, of course, research, and there are experts out there, and I'm not even trying to go out into the, into the expert world, but there's research you know, that says that our memories are much less reliable than we think they are. Yet we build our personal narrative from our memories. And it can be interesting, really interesting, to discover where we have changed or embellished things or just gotten stuck. <clears throat> I used to tell the story of something that happened to me when I was 10. And one day I was talking about something <clears throat> and I heard myself say, when I was 10, and then I stopped and I, I stopped cold. And I suddenly realized that 
every single time I told a child from my name, from, uh, told a story from my childhood, I always started it with, with when, when I was 10. You know why that happened, right? I got stuck. I got stuck with, with, with when my dad got, got sick. Every single story, I would start that way. And I really worked to try to sort that out, and I can't do it. I don't start stories with when I'm 10 anymore, but I remember things, but I can't place them. And it's sort of like a lot of people have this <clears throat> with this post-COVID thing, right? It's like I'm having a conversation with someone and say, well, that was, okay, that was before COVID, but then they're having trouble going back and placing it where it was before that happened. And then it was, if it was during the shutdown, that's kind of like, it was in there somewhere. And then it's like, now I could say, when did we, when did we reopen? I, you know, so it's, we, that's just an example that, that, that we get stuck in places and we kind of fix our memories to make sense to us. You know? And another, and, and <clears throat> our memories just play tricks on us other time. At some point, I started saying to people that I came here to SLC in April of 2012, and Reverend James came in October of the same year. I just started doing that in the last year or so. And the other day, I kept thinking, that's not right. And then I realized, he came first. He was here in October of 12. I came in April of 13. I have no, I, you know, it's like, what? Where, where, are you out there making up stories? And tell, I mean, I have no idea where that came from. And I, th you know, and it's not just age, folks. <laughs> I know I'm a little bit past 50, but it's not age. I mean, we, you know, I got stuck when I was 10. And so we remember, I think, a lot of times in the way that works best for us. And like I said, there's experts that really can explain all this, but I'm looking at this more of the, the practical, the spiritual point of view. Because we are not intentionally unreliable narrators. I mean, <clears throat> there, there are people who are flat-out liars. But when you're, if you're just, well, there are. But, I mean, we're not intentionally unreliable most of the time. Most of the time, we're just saying what we think is going on. You know, we come into this world really clear, right? And for a while, for a few short years, we stay clear and we say whatever we think and all the adults laugh and say, isn't that cute? And then, the, then one day, it's, it isn't cute. Watch your mouth, kiddo. It changes, right? So we start to conform. And we conform for a long time and in com until conforming doesn't work for us anymore. And that's when we start to awaken to our path. And sometimes that is a crisis for us. And sometimes it's a gradual, oh, I just need to change my, you know, I'm, I'm growing and I'm changing and I'm, I'm looking at things differently. And that's when we start to accept our role as the chosen in our own lives. Now, you may think that that sounds egotistical or like I am making you out to be something that you're not. But tell me this, if you're not the... Hero in your own story, who is? It's your life. It's your story. That doesn't mean that everything is totally about you all the time. But you are the only one living inside that body, and you are the only one who can choose the direction of your life, of your mind, 
You can only, you're the only one who can choose the direction of your consciousness. And, and that just, that sounds like our own lives. That is what our own lives are. Our stories reflect our past. Whether the hero's journey takes two hours in a theater or 60 years in real life, they're really the same. One is just not so nerve-wracking because it's not so compressed. And yeah, I know, we all have nerve-wracking moments in our lives. But it's not, you know, it's not so intense because there's a longer period of time to work it out. And the real truth is, the hero's journey is purely an internal journey. We have the outside markers, but it's an internal journey. And what the chosen one chooses is what makes the difference. Our spiritual path takes us from that feeling of separation through what you might call initiation. That's what it's called in the stories. And then there's the return. As we awaken, we return to that clarity that we started with, but with a lot more experience and a lot more understanding under our belt. Each one of us is on the path to ascension, some more, than, more consciously than others. But no matter our circumstances or lifestyle, we are all going towards the same light. The first time I watched people walk a labyrinth, I was absolutely fascinated to see how they all seemed to be going different directions, in and out and in and out, and, but they were all on exactly the same path. They weren't in the same place at the same time, except the little bit, but they were on the same path. All of us are on the same journey. Each one of you is chosen. There's no one else to live your life, and only you can do that. And that may sound scary at first, but when you realize what that really means, you gain a lot of freedom. When you make that decision to go within, to renew your connection with the divine energy, the one source, with God, you are, in a way, offering up your life to God. Not in the sense of giving away your selfhood, not in that way, but in the sense of discovering your highest and best self, of refining your mind and body to carry the highest energy you can. And so it turns out that living your life in the best way you know how at any one moment is your divine offering. And so it is. We are grateful for the opportunity to share with you today and hope you've taken something from this Sunday's message. If you'd like to hear more from Spiritual Life Center, be sure to click subscribe on the podcast platform you're listening from. You can find out more about our community on our website at www.slcworld.org. We look forward to being a part of your continued spiritual journey. Wherever you are, God is, and all is well. Spiritual Life Center Oh